Hey folks, uh, we're back here. I'm on the fifth floor of the Capitol this time. I don't think I've done a podcast on the fifth floor yet. We're here with Senator Peter Machicki from the Peninsula. How are you, Senator? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me today, Jeff. This is the kind of the money floor, right? This is the finance floor. Well, I'm wondering why you haven't been in another fifth floor office. Maybe I should be a little more hesitant here. Maybe you should be. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I've done a lot on the fourth floor, and I refer to that as kind of the action floor. Uh, that's where the second floor is a little kind of mellow. First floor, very mellow. Fourth floor, a lot of action. Fifth floor, that's where the money is. They have better food on the fourth floor. That's true. You're right. Yeah. I actually kind of, I, I don't, I don't uh, have anywhere to work really. So I've just, I hang out in the public lounge and there's free coffee, which is lovely. Yep. Yeah, great, great coffee in the office. And you need it when you sit in as many meetings as we do. It's uh, the more coffee, the better. Yeah. Some of your finance meetings really go for a long time. Yeah. Um, so we, we actually met back in 2011. You ran for the Senate in 2012, and I ran for the Senate in 2012, and we were both running against people in the, the coalition at the time. Who, who was your guy, Tom? Tom Wagner. Tom Wagner. Right. So I saw you around, and I, uh, you worked for Conoco, and I was like, I like this guy. We kind of got to know each other. So you, uh, But before that, you were mayor, right? That's right. I've been, uh, I started with, uh, so I came to Alaska as an engineering intern in 82 and uh, I was supposed to be here for the summer and my folks are still upset about the fact that I never left. Where'd you, where'd you come from? Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Oh my God. That is my, actually my um, uncle passed away a couple of years ago, but my aunt and uncle, and my cousins all, they're all from Fort Lauderdale. They really? all were, Yeah. They moved there a long time ago. Yeah. Great place to be from. I remember getting off the plane when I was a kid to visit and you just that that wave of heat and humidity hits you when you stifling, leave the airport doors. Stifling humidity, right. Well, I don't know you're from Florida. That's, a, that's far. That's like the, a lot of people from Florida and Alaska. 6,500 mile diagonal move. Wow. So you were just missing pretty young college or? Yeah. And uh, like I said, I came up for the summer, ended up getting a job on one of the platforms and I uh, went home and got my pickup and my dog and uh, drove up here and I've been up here ever since. Well, I must have been. I, so I drove here from New Mexico in 2004, but 82 from Florida. Wow, that must have been. What did that take you? A couple, 10 days or? Uh, no, I had to be here for a job in seven days. Oh. So I made it in seven days with a, a guy that was kind of a travel mate, a guy named Bram that I dropped off in Calgary and uh, came up the rest of the way by myself. But, um, you know, spent the next many years working for Conoco, got very involved in the community. And then um, was on a couple projects outside briefly um, for Conoco's in Maine and Long Beach and Texas, supported Australia. But um, did you go to Australia? I have many times. Yeah, I, so you know, I spent a year there. Um, I I remember seeing some of the posts. I, I was just such a great country. Wow. You had moved to a, a more covering set of shorts down there than you. I right. Well, seeing. you know, in Australia, the speedo is. <laughs> it's actually funny because um, bungee smugglers. Budgie, right. That's it. Budgie, budgie smugglers. Budgie smugglers. Right. Uh, that's funny because during <laughs> during the speedo gate situation five four years ago. Um, in one of the trips to Vegas with me and the picks and the women, they were all Australians and they, um, we're adding them on Facebook, a lot of them. So this whole thing happens. And it was right when Tony Abbott, who was a former prime minister, 
um, he had been famous for going to the beach and wearing a Speedo and, t- and people would take pictures of him. So they're posting the pictures and they're saying, this is our prime minister. Like, what is wrong with you people? Like, this guy's awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah, no. And you were, at the time, I can't remember what you were, you were, was it uh, Judicial Conduct? Judicial, judicial Conduct, which is, again, kind of uh, yesterday, a couple of days ago, that another was in the uh, confirmation hearing. That's another, again, uh, that commission attracts some <laughs> interesting nominees. <laughs> well, yours was uh, relatively slight, that's for sure, compared to this one. But anyway, um, so being real involved with the community, a city council seat came up, and we uh, just started seeing Soldatna. So I was on, uh, ran for the city council in Soldatna. The reason I ran is we were young family, Real involved in the community, and, and uh, the city council had grade, and they'd kind of lost family focus, so they were doing kind of silly things that um, didn't have much to do that would attract families. Oh, I can just imagine some of the, yeah, I can just imagine some of the right. <laughs> what you're talking about. Right, right. Um, How, when was that? What year was that when you uh, ran for the... That was 07, and then in 08, the, the mayor left, and uh, I ran for mayor and was successful, and we did some uh, really cool things. We converted the old DOT waste site right on the highway, right on the river to the Soldotna Creek Park. We built the community's first cemetery. We, we built the community's first um, our new library. and Everything went on the ballot. Everything ended up being relatively successful. We brought people together that... You know, on the cemetery issue, hadn't spoken for generations, and everyone was there on ribbon cutting day. Yeah, that, that's one I could see very few people. The only people I could see being against that of it was like next to their house or something. Well, that's that's where the division came from, and and we ended up bringing folks together. So I thought, well, this is easy, right? If we can do this here <laughs> with the problems with the state, where we were spending eight billion dollars a year, I thought, well, surely we can help bring folks together um, in the legislature. So I ran, um, ran against Tom Wagner and uh, was successful um, at the time. That was before redistricting, so I had uh, keen eye to Homer. Uh, my district has changed somewhat then, but I just it didn't take long coming down here to realize that when you put an R and a D mm-hmm. in the mix, it's not as easy to bring folks and even, together. Even that, and then even the different regions of the state to southeast, you know, the North Slope Borough, southwest. And- South Central. Where, where's your area go now? So it doesn't go to Homer because that's that's um, Gary Stevens now, right? Right. So I was redistricted to now include Point Possession, which is right across from Anchorage. When you look, that's where Captain Cook uh, set set in, I think, initially. Uh, perhaps, um, but when you look across by Hope there, so it includes Hope and then goes all the way to Nikiski, and then it goes all the way east to Lowell Point, past Seward. Oh, so you got kind of a, it's a pretty big area. Entire Kenai River, uh, Ski Lake, Lake, uh, Kenai Lake, that whole area when folks are driving down there. Once you pass that, uh, the welcome to the Kenai Peninsula sign, you're in my district. Can you get to every community by car or do you have to take a plane or boat to some of them? You can to get to every community by car most of the time now. Low, low point's been a little iffy at times, but before, of course, I had Soldovia and um, some of the areas across Ketchumac Bay that I don't have now. So you can, it's all on the road system and you can get to all of them by car. So when you won in 2012, that was the big, the big thing with the Senate was the coalition. Right. And then that, you guys, Republicans, um, and some Republicans were in the coalition, uh, but then 
uh, change to Republican kind of controlled, and you were part of that. So that That's was right. that, that was your, I guess you and um, who else? There was a few others that. Uh, Senator now Governor Dunleavy. Was yeah, yeah, he, that's right. Brand he, new. We Lida, were Lida, Lida, um, Menard, right? Linda Menard. Right. We were seatmates on the Senate floor. We sat right next to each other. I um, lost mine. I, you did. <laughs> didn't didn't make her. It just that would have been fun though, wouldn't? It? Oh my! Could you imagine that? That would have been interesting. I've, I've taken a whole different different line there. Well, I'm glad you're still involved. I'm glad you didn't decide that that was uh, going to. Have you lose your interest in Alaska and oh, I covering it. some of these issues because I think it's important, especially lately. There's been no shortage of content. <laughs> so, so you you serve with uh, <laughs> Governor Dunleavy, then Senator Dunleavy. So you guys, what six years I guess uh, together in the Senate? Five and a half. Because he he, re- he, re- he resigned, right? And, um, so you have a pretty good relationship. I mean, you obviously know him pretty well. From I do. We I sat between uh, Dunleavy and Wilikowski, so it was a very interesting first two years. And, and they're interesting because they're from the same part of uh, Pennsylvania, I guess, right? And so he um, they kind of it's funny because I think Wilikowski told me that he grew up with Republicans and Mike, you know, was Democrats or something, and they always joke about maybe they got mixed up at birth, <laughs> mixed at birth, yeah, <laughs> the delivery room. Um, Anyway, so, uh, yeah, that was Charlie Huggins was president at the time, and then Meyer, and then uh, Pete Kelly, and now we have Senator Giesel. Yeah, I did a podcast, so to rest assured, I did a podcast with her uh, last week, but I guess she's on the first floor, right? She is on the first floor. Nice office. You know, everything in this building is, is uh, when people think of, like, when you go to D.C. leadership offices, and mm-hmm. you have these palatial offices I mean, everything in this building is pretty conservative right? yours, yours is i mean I like yours it's kind of pretty good size i mean the only problem with yours is you don't have the view the fourth no. floor has the view you got the building over there right we have a building um you have to remember there's a building there one time i had a new suit delivered and um i don't buy many new suits but uh are you, I, are you a made to measure guy or are you a well, I uh, I like that when it. Well, no, I'm a off the rack. Made to measure with, those. Those are real comfortable. They yeah, fit real well. Yeah, no, I'm I'm an off the rack guy with a little adjustment. But anyway, it had come in after being um, the pants had been taken in, and uh, so I was worried about at the time. You know, a couple of female staffers like closed the doors really careful when I changed in here, and then I finished. And looked up and oh, somebody was. <laughs> forgot about the twenty offices across the way. So it's like oh. uh, that's like a perfect like uh, internet. That's a social media picture, you know. Someone takes Senator Machicki, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're lucky nobody got a picture of you. That's, so that building's new. You're, it wasn't there before. No, I mean it's been here as long as I've been here. But you you moved offices and then just I did move boom. offices and was so focused on the door, forgot about that oh I was gosh, in a fishbowl so with twenty other offices. That could have been a that could have been a really good social media post. It could have been. Yeah. Um so uh now we're here. I mean obviously I think one of the questions you asked that was so far one of the interesting answers I've gotten from uh, you've the budget Dunleavy's budget people have um given. You asked about and Soldatna and the peninsula that you guys have worked really hard to get your budget in line and your, you know, cut lower spending and, you know, with the taxes and uh, this budget, part of it deals with uh, taking property tax and local money from the local municipalities and boroughs to the state. And you said to Donna Arduin, the budget director, um, you know, what, how, what she has to say about that, you know, for these local 
And her comment to you was, well, that's not really our problem. Right. I thought that was amazing. I mean, I couldn't believe she said that. Well, and didn't seem to understand. So I think um, they continue to say, and and I got to I gotta start with this. I love Dunleavy's budget. Why do I love Dunleavy's budget, you might ask? You're, you're looking at me straight yeah, wondering like my wife does every time I tell people that story. It's the perfect document to hold up and say, you demanded full dividends, and the governor's trying to give that to well, you. Well, that's... that's um, this is what it looks like. Is it really what you want, right? Well, that's what a lot of folks at some of these town halls are starting to say um, in, in general. Just, well, if this means the c- cuts to the ferry and cuts to the... You know, education and cuts to, you know, infrastructure, cuts to whatever sort of services. Well, we don't, you know, maybe we don't want. The, the other the other thing the document tells you is the the most conservative budget cutters we've had in the building could not get $1.6 in cuts. They got $600 million in cuts. And then they went out and looked for other money, like the oil and gas property taxes from communities like the uh landing fish landing tax receipts for local communities huge and i mean dutch harbor that's a quarter of their um income so they talk about no new taxes but the reality of it is is it requires new taxes on the property owners and sales taxpayers around alaska to cover that difference where they can but in education a local community legally can't go above funding to the cab Right. So it exacerbates if you drop the cap because you drop funding, you drop education funding locally as well. Well, it's a, it's a shift, really, isn't it? It's a, a shift of revenues from the local level. To, I mean, the North Slow Borough one's probably the biggest, the 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 property taxes up there. Right. Um, of course, the North Slow Borough, I can demonstrate that the $15 million that the Kenai Peninsula Borough gets from their oil and gas property taxes, their cut of those taxes, is spent delivering $15 million worth of emergency response services that are required by federal which, which, law. Which you, said they, that, yeah, you said that in, right. the, in the meeting, yeah. So is the is the community, is the Kenai Peninsula Borough going to bill the state? And so there's no value in that shift. You're either going to pick it up with your local taxpayers or you're going to find another way to, to deal with this issue. So, so you had said earlier that the, the largest budget ever was almost $8 billion capital and operating. And um, it's gone down to four and a half. Is that about right? Yeah. And, and mo- lo- all in, all in, uh, probably five-ish. A big part of that, the capital budget used to be a couple billion dollars, and that's down to 100-something. 120 or 30, just, just bringing in our federal match for highways, really. So and I've always kind of thought, you know, you, you go from eight to five or four and a half. So you know, I, I think you made a good point. I mean, you can only go so much more without saying, hey, we need to find other revenue sources. Well, I think there's more that you can go. I just don't think this budget does that, right? So so what's important, and I, I'm not going to badmouth the Dunleavy administration. I'm a little disappointed in the shallow approach they've had, dealing with experienced legislators at the finance table that uh-huh. know every category of spend in detail to walk in and say, well, we don't, we haven't analyzed those impacts, Right. The example of the Hess cuts, right? You you have a couple of hundred million dollars of state funds being cut, and you have um, federal funds. Hess is health and social services, right? For health and social. Folks. So Isn't half a half a billion dollars of federal funds. However, that's not going to happen on July one. 
because that's an 1115 waiver. The last one... What's to, that? It's a request to CMS for changes to your Medicaid program. CMS is a, a Medicaid... Center for Medi- Medicaid and um, Medicare Services. A lot of acronyms. Ooh, There's a lot, lot of, of acronyms. A lot of numbers. So you, have to, you can't just change the program. It's a federal program, right? And that takes some time. The last time after submittal took nine months for approval, but they spent over a year putting the application together. So that's not going to happen on July 1st. We have many ideas that can eliminate a couple of hundred million dollars of actual attainable reductions um, that's kind from of the I, budget this year, and we're not communicating, and that's where I'm frustrated. I, I want to sit down with the administration and say, hey, we, I had that budget for four years. We cut up close to $300 million from that budget. We have other ideas. Those are real cuts. Those are attainable, that, deliverable that, that, cuts. That seems to be kind of the consensus. I've talked to a lot of you know, looking at what's happened over the years and talking to folks who've been around, there's a hunt, you know, hunt few hundred million, two or three hundred more million probably in reductions. And even Demo- some Democrats have told me that that's, you know, doable or feasible. But getting down to 1.6, you know, from billion, it's just such a drastic. Uh, I think some folks have said it's it's kind of like started the, con- like you said, it started the conversation. Here's what that looks like and here's what it takes to. Um, so to, to credit. If I were going to give some credit to the administration, this would be the time. The credit is, we didn't hear this at first, but what we're hearing now from the Dunleavy administration is we gave you this piece of paper that has, you know, ugly cuts that affect every Alaskan. Now bring us a counterproposal. What are you thinking? What do you think is is possible? What can you deliver as a legislator? Um, Legislature. We're in the past... Um, particularly the last administration, a budget was delivered and they de- they fought for it, they defended it, even where it didn't make sense. Uh-huh. I like this approach. It gave me something to go home with last weekend for my two packed house. Yeah, how'd those go? They went great. They went very well. People were very respectful. They were upset about the education cuts. They were upset about uh, the potential closure of Wildwood Prison. They were upset about several things. They were very respectful. And I said... Here it is. This is what it looks like. What do you, I need to hear from you. I need to hear from you in an organized manner about what you want. What's your expectation of what Alaska looks like this year and and in the next several years? Because he's right. We have a budget deficit that exists and we have to deal with it in one way or another. So is it a reduction of PFDs? Well, I have committed to a full PFD because that's what they want. But what I told them is there will be dramatic impacts to a full PFD. And they look a lot like Dunleavy's budget. Mm-hmm. So what is it you really want? Is it time to talk about other options? So, so the role of the for the folks listening, legislature is, you know, the governor gives you guys a budget, but then you guys, both the House and Senate, look at it, analyze They can add things to it. They can change it. Um, the Senate does the... Uh, focus on op- op- uh, capital or operating? Well, we start with the capital. Okay. We pass the capital first. The House passes the operating okay. first. Typically, this year, with the organization issues, we considered doing the operating budget first. But they're organized. They're working on it. They will pass something over to us, and uh, we'll take it from there. But the legislature, you're right. The The governor comes up with a proposal. We can rewrite a completely different proposal 
the that is what we do. We are the appropriating body, so we have the purse strings. Um, we pass it to the governor. Um, once it passes the legislature, he decides whether or not he's going to sign it or line item veto items out of it. And if we support those items, then everything's fine. If we don't, then there's the possibility of a vote that would override that veto. And that's pretty. That's a forty-five. It is out of sixty. That's a three quarters. It's vote. a three quarter vote. And that's. I think the last time that happened was under Palin. Once, pretty, I mean, it's pretty. Forty fives. It's a bit. It's a high bar. So I hope we don't ever get to that point. I hope we work together as a team and and talk about what's possible in one year. Possibly have some longer range plans on how we're going to deal with this issue that will have less impact from all that I've heard from the. Uh, economists, um, a a one-year solution would keep us in a recession for a much longer time, a recession that is already um, self-imposed. Um, so I, I, I don't see that a budget that is sort of Dunleavy-ish, like we've seen, has much of a chance of passing, but what I would like to see is some real ideas on how we're going to close that gap and move forward. When you say um, self-imposed, I mean, a lot of that had to do with the crash in oil prices, right? The, that was, I guess, 2014, but they've gone back up, you know? I mean, they aren't as high as they used to be. Certainly, but, but if if you saw Mr. Robinson's um, presentation the other day, um, when we asked about, uh, I asked the question about why are we climbing out of recession now? Oil prices are still, you know, only in the 60s, and uh, if I believe there's downward pressure on them, not upward pressure. No, I agree. What made the change, and what made the change was the POMV, because we we showed the card, we, we signed the card and delivered it that said we are willing to use the earnings reserve as a secondary source of revenue. That relieved a lot of pressure from potential investors that were saying, there's no way in hell I'm investing in Alaska. If I do, who knows what the tax just, rate's going to be on industry without some sort of certainty. So That was just passed last year. Right. Um, so so the, gov- the governor can veto, but he, he can't add. So, what, I mean, there's a possibility that the legislature could, like in the past two years, say they could provide a dividend that's lower than what, what he re- In this case, I think there was some back and forth last year on the dividend between the t- two bodies, but... Um, theoretically, the legislature could. He said three thousand. They could send back and say two thousand or fifteen hundred. Uh, he can't add to that. No, but, he could veto the entire budget and send it back to us for additional work if he can't accept the result, or he can. Um, he has line item veto powers as well. Has the governor ever done vetoed the whole budget or no? I don't know. I would uh, have to look back on that. I think that would be a complete failure of the system. If you weren't working more in tandem to get to that product, um, I I certainly don't expect that to happen this year. And I hope we don't get to the situation where uh, veto override is the situation as well. I, I hope we work as a team with the two bodies and the governor's office to, um, have something we that, that makes us all equally unhappy, the perfect deal. Okay, I got to ask you about this committee hearing a couple of days ago with this ghost hunter guy that is now a New York Times level story. Um, what were you during all of that? I was in the I was in the committee meeting, so I, I could see everybody's faces. What was going through your mind? I mean, that, that was pretty unique. Um, there, there was a guy who was appointed to a board, and he's got a ghost hunting hobby, and Senator Reinbold to asked him some questions about that and it got pretty um have you ever seen something like that before in a 
You've been here for seven years, right? Six years. Six years. My seventh year. I have not. Um, she was concerned about um, the ghost hunting issue. I was a little more focused on the fact that the individual has a criminal record. Yeah, it's true. And is applying for the um, Violent Crimes Compensation Board, which I thought was an interesting pick, but I suppose maybe he has uh, experience in that area that some folks don't. So, have you heard? Of, I mean, have you heard about that since the committee meeting with all the articles? Or I've seen a few articles. Yeah, I'm sure because just had to ask about that. Um, so, what else? Was I, oh, so the last uh, I would briefly talk about your last the primary. Um, you you had. I think a lot of people were surprised that it was very close. Um, and I was shocked too. I thought you were going to, you know, because nobody even really knew much about the guy um, run kind of a lean campaign. What, what do you kind of like attribute that to? Was it a low, it was low turnout for one, I think was part of it. It was a low turnout. Um, you know, we won by 74 votes um, with an individual with, Seven criminal convictions that no one had ever heard of before. But at the same time, we had someone spending two and a half million dollars telling people that um, a full dividend, adequate services, talking about not making major cuts and no taxes was possible. And I think folks were angry about the dividend. Um, Hearing all of that was possible, I think uh, it was for the... I can't remember, it was 5,000 people in the primary, Republican primary. So he had 2,500 folks that were angry at me. I don't know if they supported him or they were angry at me, and luckily I had 2,574. What, um, well, I mean, that night, what was your kind of, because it was really really close on election night, right? It was the absentees later that that you got extra, but it was very close on the election night. Um, I was... uh, I was not surprised and expected it to be close. I was surprised to be behind. Um, my mother was in there with me, and she kept saying, "Oh, everyone loves you. It'll be fine, right?" You're Peter. My, you're Peter. <laughs> <laughs> my eighty-eight-year-old mother, and I said, "Mom, I don't know. I think this one's going to be close." So it was fun watching her face when they came in, and I was actually nine behind, I think, on election. I think it night. was. That's yeah, that's right. Because yeah. we, we were doing the election central. And right. We, that was we were just everybody was just. So so she came over and, and patted me. My adorable mother came over and patted me like I had just lost a Little League game, you know. She said, you'll get them next time, you know. I said, well, Mom, this isn't over. And then, of course, the general was, you know, 70, 30 with two write-in candidates. Yeah, because he tried to come with a... It was funny because he did... Somebody did this thing on the internet where it was... Um, his name's Gillum. So it was a, a, a gill, like a fish gill, and a ham. So one of our... Uh, Columnist Alaska Stalker did an M with a little chick and then a key, so it was Machiki. So we were doing it was kind of I don't know if you saw that or not, but yeah, got, that is got, I, I saw the Gillian. Got, got a little, well, oh, that's what I got to ask you about. Um, what about what about the chainsaw um, mailer? That is something of legend now. So it's funny <laughs> that you're here because on my desk. Oh, I thought you were going to say the chainsaws in the room. Yeah, well, it, it can be for the next interview, but I'm not <laughs> that's sure a big that's chain- allowed here. That's a big chainsaw. This is a gift for one of my constituents who called me when it went out. So we had some family photos taken, and I actually had a tree that came down because of the wind. So we had this chainsaw laying around, and they sat us down around this wood pile. I never thought about the chainsaw. The mailer comes out, and Regina Daniels, hope you're listening, calls me. She just said, WTF with I, the I chainsaw. Got, I had and like I, seven people say, 
you got to see this. And I said, oh my God, because it was like, I'm look, I'm going to look out for your family and protect. And people are like, is he going to like, what's he, what, what is kind of message? Is he? So here's the photo. Oh my gosh. And the reason that. it's the, here is because it's a gift for Regina when she you, comes down. You need from, to, you need to frame that. You need to get one of those framed and hang it in your office. Because that, that had, um that, that one, our kind of, that was our, we did a wrap up with all the mailers. People had e- emailed me and sent me pics of all the mailers. And, and that was the one that everybody was just like, this is awesome. It was pretty awesome. There was a th- thing recently, somebody did a, an op-ed in the Empire, and they said something like, uh, you know, Governor Dunleavy, all he can do is take a chainsaw out of the budget. So so we posted here, you know, he can borrow Peter McChickens. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah, I just never thought about it until I saw it, and then you posted it. That that uh, made it uh, probably accelerated statewide it. <laughs> ribbing from buddies of mine all over that didn't you, receive the mail. You heard yet. about it a lot from people. I did. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, that was. was um, and uh, you got a pretty big. Did your family come back? Because you have like four, daughters? four daughters, and, and so you guys they come here a lot, or do they you... do. We get the same house every year. We bring the whole family. They have two sets of friends. They go to two different schools, uh, two oh, different wow. churches. We. We have a double life, and uh, we kind of gauge the older one is getting married this summer, the 23-year-old. So she doesn't come down with us right now, but um, it, it's cool. When we arrived in Juneau for this session, there was a welcoming committee of little girls that were there to meet the girls. And the first weekend, we had the first sleepover, you know what I mean? So they have two very good sets of friends, and, and it seems to be going well. We'll see what happens when Sophie, the 12-year-old, uh, heads to high school. That yeah. might be a little tougher. I like your wife, too. She's really nice. I see her around quite a bit. She's amazing. I mean, she moves our family twice twice a year. I mean, the dog comes down, the cat. It's it's like the Clampets move twice a year, you know. It's, Do you guys drive? Or? No. we we uh, Whatever doesn't fit in my wife's car doesn't come. So the girls go through this whole exercise of what toys they want, and the three of them have this little meeting where they kind of vote on what gets to go in the car because yeah, so we don't, unlike some, we some ship other, nothing some else. Some other senators like to ship a lot of stuff over here. Yeah, so. we ship nothing. They they have to make it work, so it's a three-month-long camping trip. So, so you've been here for six years. What's maybe, you got come some story that sticks out or something that's happened that you've kind of crazy or what's uh what's a... Oh, it's all crazy. I mean, it's... Uh, what's your, what's your craziest yeah. constituent or... Not even. Do you, do you ever get people have meet, try to get a meeting and then they end up being a little like out there? Or we we have we have some spirited frequent flyers that have an unrealistic expectation of what government can provide for them. That's a very diplomatic <laughs> uh, way, to, way to put that. So and we love them. They're some of my favorite um, constituents. You know, one thing was a little bit of a. Nothing about the election bothers me. The the nonce, the Facebook nonsense from folks that just won't pay attention to what happens here, and then they believe what they read on Facebook, right? Then you had a couple of IEs that were well funded. You had the Brad Keithley IE against me and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I saw that's, that. That's all well and good, but they just they say things that sound believable, but people just won't take the time to learn about it. None of it bothered me. How do you the, the are, part that bothered me as a as a old guy on the Kenai that I've dealt with when I was in the city council when I was mayor that had always been a supporter that bought into this stuff and ended up going the other way. I mean that's the kind of thing that bothers you because he's the kind of individual that we literally with staff and I spent hundreds and hundreds of hours 
working with, you, you just you, there are some people you you just they have unrealistic expectations. How, how do you? I've asked you know legislators how do you deal with with I mean social media, but even in real life, somebody has an idea or they think something that's just not possible. It's just out of the realms of. I mean, is it hard to? I mean, do you, how do you? Just have a conversation, try to... Well, you try to be equally respectful with everyone. And there are some folks that, that just are not going to take the time to learn how it works. And that's, you just have to walk them through it. I mean, my staff, I have excellent staff. Generally, they can get someone to understand how that works. When it doesn't and they're insistent, I meet with them and we just say, hey, I would love to help you in this situation. In some cases, you do it. And I have an individual who probably had a pretty unfair shake from the state with a particular case. Um, we dropped a bill on on the ability to have a grand jury investigation triggered when things are not as fair as they probably could be. Is it going to make it across the finish line? I don't know. Probably not. But I want him to know that I understand what happened to him in my view, was not as fair as it could be and and that we're willing to give it an effort. Um, ultimately, we'll do our best to support him even if that doesn't make it. But you have these stories, you hear from everyone, you, you have these stories of, you know, I'm just a kind of ordinary middle-class guy, a little bit nerdy with four kids and my life has gone very well. People call you with some problems that you just don't even realize were ever a thing. You know, yeah. I mean, no, multi generational challenges of people that are just, they don't know how to make it. And our job is to help them, try to help them make it, try to help them through the system so that they can have some semblance of success in their lives because they've never, in many cases, had anything else. You know, so it's, I love that part of the job. I think it's really important. And I think, we're pretty good with it because I am empathetic. Um, I worked with the Women's Resource Center, so I know a lot about about domestic violence and sexual assault issues. I've been with the Boys and Girls Club for 27 years, so I know about a lot of the ACEs that affect so many more kids in Alaska per capita than anywhere else. So I'm empathetic, and I want to find solutions to those things. That part of the job I love, the dealing with unreasonable people in this building that... Um, fail to recognize the limited choices we have in trying to find solutions is a little bit more frustrating than, than yeah, the constituents. No, I, 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 um, <clears throat> I can only imagine. Uh, well, this has been a great podcast. Uh, let's see here. We're kind of right in the middle of the session, the 90, 90, quote unquote 90 day. A lot of people think it's probably going to go to one, well, up to 120, maybe around 121 or not 90, just because the house took so long to kind of organize. Do you have any thoughts or just kind of see where it, where it goes. I I think... Um, Senator Giesel said she's kind of pretty confident it'll, it'll go more than 90. I but. think it'll go more than 90 just because you're starting at day 30 instead of day one right. uh, with the House issue. But they're, they're sort of getting after it now that they're organized. Uh, if they kind of... Uh, in my view, it's it's never managed like a project. It can be a lot more efficient if they manage their responsibilities efficiently. They may be able to get a... Um, budget back over to us by the third week of March. Um, we're usually ready, so it only takes a few days for the Senate to turn it back over, and we could perhaps get back on schedule. The, I think I would, the key will be what happens once the legislature is, is done with the what budget, I'm, I think. What I'm looking forward to is skits. 
It's going to be a good year for skits. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe when this is o- maybe when this is over, we can you and I can go to Australia. We can get a pick wearing those budgie smugglers. Right. That might get a lot. That would get a lot of. Tra- that would take away from the chainsaw. That uh, <laughs> that might be one way to salvage the chainsaw, <laughs> but uh, might might. Um... Might not be a good way to salvage the chainsaw <laughs> issue. <laughs> well, Senator uh, Machiki, thank you for doing this. I uh, I think this first podcast on the fifth floor. So, well, welcome it. and thank you for having me on. And we can, as things progress, if you wanna wanna come back when things become a little more specific, I'm happy to do. Yeah, that maybe too. we can do one again, close you know closer to the end when the budget's kind of you know closer to getting voted on. So, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, great office, and I really enjoyed. I love the. Real quick, what is is that a real? Is that what is that? That is a giant brown bear skull. Because it is huge. I don't, folks, you can't see this thing. There is, it must be a foot or longer. It's longer than a foot. I mean, geez, yeah, <laughs> maybe a foot and a half. I am. Uh, I have some strange hobbies. One is uh, I have a skull collection that my wife loves, uh, as you can imagine. In our did you shoot? Did you kill it or did you? That is a DLP. Um, so I did not shoot it. It was when I was the mayor of Soldotna. This might be a dumb question. What's DLP? Oh, defensive life and property. So oh, that, somebody, that, okay, somebody. That giant brown bear was terrorizing Soldotna, and I ordered it shot, and uh, Fish and Game was very um, appreciative that, uh, considering it was hanging out of the elementary school, that there wasn't an injury. Oh, my God, they gave it to you, the skull? And they gave me the skull. So I'm, Wow. I'm a, I, have, I have black bear skulls that I have shot, but I'm, I'm a freezer hunter, so I, I'm not a brown bear. Were you, may, were you mayor at the time? Or? I was mayor at the time, yes. That is... One more question I have, and I this is kind of maybe a dumb question again, but Kenai and Soldatna, those are separate. Sit, you know, they are, you know, but they're basically kind of really. I mean, they're very close to each. other. Why are they separate? I mean, I've always kind of wondered why it's not. Um, be a long might be a long answer. There is a. It won't be a long answer. It's uh, when they began, they were in the middle of nowhere, and there's always been a very friendly um, sort of back and forth about which city is better. Oh. And although it would make ultimate sense for them to combine financially, it will never happen. And I, I think it's been a healthy relationship through the years. So, um, yeah, they're, they're sister cities that compete on a regular basis. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much again, Senator Machiki, for doing this, and we'll do another one, all right? Sounds great. All thank right. you, Jeff. Folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, let me know, and we'll talk to you folks uh, on the next one. Landline.